0: Hi, I'm Kayla. I am a high school English teacher and mom of two, and I'm a grown-up pastor's kid. And I'm her mom, Mindy, and I'm a pastor's wife, Mimi to the two best boys in the world, and I am still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. Yes, Mom, I'm Listening as a podcast where mom and I sit down and talk about life in general. You may not walk away from our podcast knowing all of the answers to life, but we have fun talking, and we hope you have fun listening. So sit back and enjoy. Yes,
1: Mom, I'm listening.
0: Hi, Mom. Hi, How dear. Are you? I'm good. How are you? Tell me about your day. My day is filled with potty breaks and fuzz. I. <laughs> No. Um, I am uh, dog sitting. I am a dog sitter on rubber.com. Not not a sponsor. Hashtag not a sponsor, but hashtag maybe someday. Uh, And I currently have hashtag call me. (laughs) I'm babysitting five dogs today. And so um, it's a lot of fun. I mean, that's pretty much my heaven is 20 dogs. Um, So I'm on my way. Uh, babysitting five dogs today. I actually currently here in the studio, ha ha, have Zoya in my lap. Great. Say hi, say hi to the listener, Zoya. She doesn't want to talk. Um, anyway, Rude. that's my day. How's your day? Well,
1: um, let me, let me start with last night. So last night I get everything all, you know, settled in my house. It's been a long day. I've got kids in the house I um, am just starting to, you know, clean up. I finally get the baby down. He's been fussy all evening. And I don't know what his problem is. We had pizza for dinner and um, we gave him some pizza and he was happy and he was fine. But then after about an hour before bedtime, he was just so fussy and wanted to be held. Right. Some terrible, fussy baby. Right. So finally he gets to bedtime and I put him down and maybe 10, 15 minutes later, he starts like wailing in his crib, screaming, crying. And I go in to figure out what the heck is the problem. And he has just vomited everywhere oh, no. just all over the crib oh, no. all over himself i mean he is just uh, he has the entire contents of his stomach out on all over the oh so kai's out in the garage working out with asher because they pump iron together i guess i don't know so um Asher is my four-year-old, for those of you that don't know. And Kai is my husband. Kai, I ask him, you know, hey, can you come in and help me? This is a, this is a whole situation. So I get the baby in the bathtub and I, you know, rinse them off and get him all clean and, and pajamaed. And um, Kai is stripping the sheets and putting them in the wash, starts the load. And maybe about 20 minutes after the load starts, oh no, your washer's broken. So hmm. then there's water all over the laundry room. And Kai, I'm still trying to host the kids because it's bedtime. And Kai is in there with this um, terrible little cheapy mop because all we use is a Swiffer mop because I have to mop so often. So And so he has this little garage mop, which is like, big enough to clean up one glass of water and he's trying <laughs> to use that to clean up the entire laundry room which is flooded now and he's got this little pump this is the second washer that's broken since we've into this house two and a half years ago so kai's in there trying to figure out the water situation well it's not actually broken it just doesn't know when to stop filling up so we're looking for a new one but in the meantime I was, finish this load that's broken by the way in case oh. you're wondering
0: <laughs> that means it's well, broken.
1: like it will run and it will finish the load. You just have to tell it to stop filling it with water. So anyway, so we finished the load and um, get it all done. Well, it's not draining properly. So I have to take out all the wet clothes. Only half of them will fit in the dryer because it's too heavy, too wet. So I stick half of the load in the bathtub and half. <laughs> you know the- why it's not draining? This is broken, yeah. Because it's broken, okay. Uh, I would like to just say too that we are not completely irresponsible when it comes to washing machine devices. Both devices we have bought were used and the second one that we bought was problematic from the very moment that we turned it on. So, you know, it is what it is. We buy cheap appliances, get cheap prices. So, so anyway, <laughs> that's been my day. And then this morning I wake up to, you know, kind of deal with the carnage of that and I'm getting Asher ready and off to school. He's late because he's learned to sleep his alarm. And- <laughs> As I'm getting everybody breakfast, I spilled the entire jug of orange juice inside my fridge. Oh, the awesome. so word. Orange juice is super sticky. Or- so I'm great. Everything is great. <laughs> my home is great. I'm a fantastic homemaker. Everything is awesome. Oh, that apple didn't fall very far from that tree, <laughs> did it? <laughs> Let me tell you, me having to stay home... Listen, I have all kinds of emotions and feelings and opinions about distance learning, but the actual staying home with my kids part of it, Asher still goes to school three times a week because his preschools open. So I have two days a week where I have him and I I have a couple of other kids that come over um, because they're doing distance learning. And anyway, it's this whole thing where I... At one point in my life, this kind of goes off of what we talked about with Brendan Fraser. At one point in my life, I thought I would like to be a stay-at-home mom. That would be great. That would be the dream. And now I'm getting the chance and I freaking
0: hate it.
1: (laughs) I want to go back to work so bad. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so bad at being home all the time because I feel like if I'm sitting down... I'm sitting down in front of mess. My classroom is clean at school and it is meticulous and I have everything in its place and I make my students clean up after themselves. My home is a different story. So now my classroom is my home and I have to sit in my dirty home
0: classroom. You know what though? That is true. My house was way cleaner when I worked outside the home. What? What is it? Now that I'm home, I don't clean my, I mean, I clean my house, but
1: well, no, I, I am actually kind of the opposite of that. Now that I'm home, I feel like I have to be cleaning all the time. So I'm, I'm constantly cleaning. I I don't know the last time Kai had to do dishes because I'm just constantly doing dishes and I'm constantly vacuuming, constantly (laughs) mopping and cleaning out crud from every corner of this house. No wonder
0: you want to go (laughs) to work.
1: I know. I'm tired of cleaning my house so much. And it's because we're making more messes because we're home more often. But man, it's rough. I'm ready, y'all, to go back to school for lots of reasons, but I'm ready. And the kids are ready for the most part. Let's do it. Let's go back to school, y'all. I'm ready. Please, please, please save me from my home. Let's just stick our masks on and go on. I'm, I you know what? I'm just ready. I'm, (laughs) I'm a little ready to be over this COVID thing. Oh yeah, it's been a long time. You know, this was only supposed to be two weeks.
0: Yeah, I know.
1: For two weeks. (laughs) I'm dying. (laughs) I hardly ever get out of the house. You know, we made it park to go to church now for. litany of reasons but anyway so we meet at the park to go to church so the kids are able to play on the on the park structures we're now in the red instead of the purple which sounds totally backwards but our governor has decided that the most extreme version of shutdown is purple and then the next level up is red
0: it's because when you stop breathing you turn purple
1: (laughs) Yes, but I think also because he don't know what he's doing. I, did I tell you, Mom? That uh, oh, there we went. Politics. No, listen. Did I tell you that he's being um, sued by a couple of senators and then assembly? And um, he goes to trial on the twentieth. Our governor goes to trial because listen to this. I, I don't want to get too too political, but he has amended over four hundred laws during this time of executive power and shutdown. (laughs) And that doesn't include any of the new laws that he has created.
0: Uh, uh, This man has done
1: more in the last few months than he has done in his entire office tenure as governor.
0: All I know is I don't think he's ever (laughs) welcoming. Oh man, if you guys don't keep up
1: with California news, the CEO of Disney or of Disneyland parks, or I don't know, he's the one that was the representative of Disney, um, was in a, quote, reopening committee for California that had Newsom, who was our governor, and a couple of other big, huge business owners talking about what the plan is for reopening. And they got about, I don't know, a few minutes into the meeting and the CEO of Disney is like, this isn't a reopening plan. This is a stay shut forever plan. And he just got up and walked out. I was like wow, I did not think that I would ever align with the CEO of Disney. You know what though? Can you just imagine how many
0: millions of dollars they are losing every day?
1: Twenty eight thousand people have been laid
0: off every day. That's just I know. And I was I was thinking, could you imagine if just a year ago, just I mean, ten months ago, we saw pictures of today? Yeah. If- I mean, we would think that aliens had landed. I mean, people walking around with masks, I mean, Disneyland closed. Weird. Weird, weird, people weird on the floor time. telling you where to stand in line. I, I know. <laughs> Listen, Asher is
1: constantly asking me, hey, when can we go to Disneyland in New York City? Because that's where Spider-Man lives. Oh, okay. And I keep telling him, I'm sorry, but it's closed. And I'm not lying. <laughs> to lie to your kids sorry City's closed sorry disneyland's closed it's you know it's closed no but it really is for real and and i don't want anyone to listen to this and think that i'm downplaying the importance of a pandemic i get that you know health is important yes it's important and we wear our masks there was an initial shutdown i do think that some people are taking this a little bit too far it is anyway that's not what our episode is
0: about today it's with anything with Um, anything in life there is going to be i mean good bad ugly religious conservative liberal oh, yeah. atheist. there are going to be some it. who take it too far yeah and that's the same reason that the um i think it's michigan or
1: wisconsin Ooh, who's the one that has the lady governor <laughs> lady governor who am I? you are asking <laughs> me about
0: politics <laughs> I don't even watch
1: the news. She got in big trouble, too, because she's been doing the same thing. They're passing all kinds of legislation, which on one hand, I get it because they don't have to go through checks and balances to get stuff passed. But on the other hand, hey, that's a problem, not having to go through checks and balances to get stuff passed called a dictatorship and right. kids, the
0: United states don't do that
1: right uh, so, if you want more information about california um california's reopening and um governor newsom's lawsuit hit me up on facebook or whatever i'll send you all the right links and whatever i'll send you the um the link to recall gavin 2020
0: well and i live in illinois so if you want to know anything about governor pritzker don't ask me because i have <laughs> no idea <laughs> Listen, I just happen to have
1: a super politically involved friend and she keeps me up to date on all these things. She goes live on Facebook and I watch that and I'm like, oh, okay, so that's what's happening because I'm certainly not watching the. My
0: boss is, we, I, I won't, I, my boss is the opposite of me as far as where we lean liberal. I won't tell you which I lean on, but I think it's obvious. Probably. But anyway, so he's always calling me going, so what do you think about such and such? What do you think about such and such? I'm like, uh ah. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't right. even watch the news. I,
1: you know, I I have a lot of opinions about things, and I tend not to, you know, wax eloquent about these. All I'm saying is that no option is a good option. And we're getting really close to elective election season, and everybody's like, "Just vote, just vote. Don't matter who you vote for. Don't matter if you vote by mail or in person or whatever. Just vote." All I can say is. Kanye West, 2020. Listen, I would have, uh, I would have voted for Yeezy. I would have just in a heartbeat. That would not even have been a question. I mean, how hilarious would that have been? Kanye West and the birthday party. Because when he's president, every day is your birthday.
0: Okay, Kim Kardashian would be our first lady. Yeah, that would be so awesome. Melania
1: was um, was scandalous.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That would be so awesome.
1: Anyway, politics is not why we're getting into this. And we'll, well, I, I, we have an episode slated later to actually talk about Kanye West running for president and being a Christian celebrity, quote unquote. So we'll talk about that later, but for now, today's episode, I'm going to let you talk when I'm done. You're right? <laughs> I'm going to let you finish, but it. I'm going to let you finish. But Kanye yeah. West was the greatest potential presidential candidate of all times. Anyway, that's not our topic for today. <laughs> our topic for today is, um, nostalgia and growing up Christian and I wanted to kind of get into we wanted to kind of get into what growing up Christian was like for us so um I want to just real quick disclaimer I this the reason we're getting into this is so that you can kind of understand who we are and where we're coming from and why we believe we both grew up I'm just going to sum this up as quickly as possible. We both grew up in the Assemblies of God, which is a fellowship, um, kind of like a denomination. We are um, Pentecostal, Protestant. um, We got into this, and today's episode is Growing Up Christian, and we wanted to talk a little bit about the nostalgia of the 80s and the roughly 2005 to 2015s, because that, I think, Um, encompasses the two eras in which we grew up and went to church. So mom, tell me a little bit about what growing up in church in the 80s was like.
0: Okay, the 80s. The 80s was a grand time for the church. um, And for hair. in In the beginning of the 80s. Hey, I rocked 80s hair. I always had thick hair. So in the 70s, when it was supposed to be long and straight, I couldn't do it. But buddy, the 80s came and that was my decade. Anyway, um, I grew up Assemblies of God, which we talked about earlier. I was actually, my grandfather was the assistant general superintendent of the Assemblies of God. So that was a little bit of Assemblies of God royalty. Assemblies of God, like we said, it's a Christian Pentecostal Protestant fellowship that is very similar in their conservative views to, say, Southern Baptist, uh, Baptist some some conservative Lutheran Methodist, that kind of thing. It was a conservative um, denomination. It was the fastest growing fellowship in the world. We had missionaries all over the world. Um, it was, I mean, churches were popping up everywhere and church was the place to be. You got all dolled up. You did your hair big. You dressed up. You looked good. Televangelists were just starting and and we were rocking and rolling. When I went to Bible college in 1985, is when I went. I mean, we were rocking and rolling as far as a, a a church. Then the summer of, I think it was the summer of 1986. From 86 to 89, very notable, famous, infamous televangelists began to have some pretty famous moral failures. And it really kind of changed the church as we knew it. I went to Bible college in Springfield, Missouri. That was the headquarters of the Assemblies of God. CBC, Central Bible College was, although it no longer exists, it was the flagship Bible college for the Assemblies of God. So I was really enmeshed in that culture. Then things began to change right around the mid 80s.
1: Now, just for those who may not be familiar, just kind of briefly and vaguely
0: explain what a moral failure is. Well, (laughs) Jim Baker was accused of embezzling and using, uh, misusing, uh, embezzling funds. He also had an affair with a young girl, paid her hush money, and then Jimmy Swaggart hired a prostitute Uh, ugly stuff ugly stuff um and the reason that's a big deal is because these are
1: men who are the forefront of christianity at the time they're on television championing christianity putting it out there that you know they are men of god anyway just if you're not familiar with those names that's just kind of a brief recap
0: yes so then what happened is the church whereas before the church was a I mean, it's a pretty popular place and it's where you went when you had trouble. Well, after that, the church kind of got to be a joke. I mean, Saturday, these people I know personally were mimicked on Saturday Night Live. I mean, it, it just completely changed, it completely changed church and church culture. So I i went to college and learned about a church and grew up in a church that really no longer exists. Yeah. And so I
1: I think if I can kind of sum up there, when you grew up and went into church and went into Bible college, there was a lot of emphasis on um, doing it right and looking right and acting right and being right and putting your best foot forward and kind of hiding what was going on inside. And um, then once all of these very large, very high profile, very public Um, cases of Christian men, specifically, falling and, um, you know, kind of dragging the church down with them, the church sort of went through a shift. And there is this kind of period between the 80s and the 2000s um, and the 90s when we were kind of trying to figure out what our church identity was. I think that was a little bit of the, the rebound era, I think in the nineties Vineyard and Brownsville and all of that. But then when I got to high school and college, it was a really big emphasis on, uh, authenticity and being real. And this is a really big emphasis on authenticity and being super real and you got to be raw and real and everything about you has to be so, so laid bare to the point that I think we swung a little too far the other way. So I went to school and kind of grew up in the Hillsong era where, um, you know, everything was laid bare. You tell all of your, your insides and you rip it out bare and church kind of became this counterculture Um, sort of in a, in a hipstery kind of way. Like if you were a person who went to church, you were against the grain now and you were cool because you were doing not what everybody else was doing. And we are not of this world. And I don't know if you remember that, um, brand of clothing. clothing line. Yeah. There was a whole brand of clothing in 2005 ish. Um, that was called N-O-T-W, Not of This World, and they sold merchandise that was like really cool, hipster-looking graphic tees, but they were scripture verses, and you kind of couldn't tell unless you squinted your eyes. Okay, and then, now, you owned it,
0: so oh, don't be critical. <laughs> listen,
1: <laughs> listen, I owned that, and I also, um, <laughs> listen, I also stuffed socks into my vans so that they would be poofy, and I also I mean, there, there's all kinds of stuff that we did for the cause of fashion and you of all people should not be one to throw stones. So yes. And I, and I sound like I'm kind of making fun of it. I was fully a part of that for sure. 100%. I fully was into that. And I um, would go to the Bible bookstore and pull off anything that came off of the alternative shelf (laughs) just because it was alternative. And that's how I got introduced to Emory and a lot of bands that I really still stand by, but um, you know, it was def- definitely during the emo time, the emo movement. And, the- and then when I went to high school, um, when we moved to Santa Clara, for whatever reason, that youth group in Santa Clara was full of a bunch of metalheads. So um, so then I started listening to Christian metal music and dad put his foot down there. He didn't like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, he was not a big fan of that. So um, anyway, so the, all of this is to say that our growing up experience, while both, christian was i'd say pretty vastly different you know um you couldn't just walk into the bible bookstore and pull off um i don't know alternative music in the 80s i mean the most alternative that it got in the 80s if i could if i can extrapolate was what um amy grant oh yeah
0: petra 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 and sweet comfort band that was brian duncan before he went off on his own
1: yeah so Draper. Draper. yeah and i mean if you look up pictures they look like all your quintessential 80s hair bands but they were singing about i don't know jesus i guess <laughs> i don't know um but then uh, yeah i grew up in a time where you know you went to youth group because that's what the cool kids were doing and they were doing it because it was counterculture it was the cool kids who were not really the cool kids more or less. I mean, you you guys all, you get the conceit of hipsterdom. Yeah. So, you know, being a a Christian and being a Christian kid was, uh, it sort of had its revival as being cool in an underground kind of way. So anyway, 2005 to 2015 church culture was a a very big emphasis on being real and being authentic and, you know, leaving your pretenses at the door. So this is, I I think, a direct answer to the church of the eighties where pretenses were kind of all you had and in some cases, there just wasn't a lot of substance there. It was just a lot of um, show. You, you did
0: not air anything negative, Mm-mm. nothing. I mean, there was even the big faith movement, name it and claim it, nab it and blab it. You know, you just did not talk negative.
1: There's also the fact that we both went to Bible college. And even though it was in different eras, there were some great similarities between our experiences. For example, um, you were not allowed to go out to clubs or go dancing. We had curfew.
0: Um,
1: Our curfew was one o'clock on the weekends and 12 o'clock on weekdays. Mine was 11 and 10. Yeah. 11 and, no, no, 11 and 12, 11 and 12. Right. So only one hour's difference in 20 years. So, um, <laughs> and you weren't allowed to get a tattoo while you were at Sagu, which is my Bible college, Southwestern assemblies of God university, Sagu for short, cause that's a lot to say. Um, you weren't allowed to get tattoos while you were there, but if you came in with a tattoo, that was fine. Um, there's a, there, it's kind of this, this line of, you know, every time I talk to people who are unfamiliar with Bible college and I tell them things like we had a curfew boys were not allowed in our dorms, except for once a quarter. And that was open dorm night. And you like, decorated up your dorm and had board games and snacks so boys would come by and visit you and that was i mean it was such a weird like open house situation it wasn't like people were going into each other's dorms to hang out or study or whatever no no it was like open house and you wanted to show off your cute stuff even though boys
0: literally could not care less about how cute your bedspread is you were trying to show them how well you could do a house so yeah, marry me, because yeah. i can keep a house. <laughs> You marry me,
1: this is what your house is going to be like. Don't you want to? Don't you want to? Don't you want to? Don't
0: you want to marry me?
1: Yeah. So anyway, some, some kind of bizarro things that came out of Bible college experiences. And both of our Bible colleges were rel- relatively small. And so just a small private college in general, very different than the traditional like state college experience. So there's that. And then there's also the difference in growing up because I grew up a pastor's kid And um, you did not. So explain a little bit how you think that was different.
0: Well, I was in much less of a a bubble of of a fishbowl. I mean, we went to church. Um, my parents were very, very involved. Mom was the high school Sunday school teacher. Dad was a board member. We were the first ones there. We opened up the church. We locked up the church. That's just because my parents were good, good church goers, good people, good Christians. Um, they raised us in they raised us in church. However, the responsibility that I had for my actions. Well, first of all, we lived in a different town than we went to church. And so that helped. I could kind of hide what I did during the week. Um, But, um, you know, you grew up in a little bit more of a bubble. You were the pastor's daughter. So every move you made was scrutinized. Mine was not.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you had siblings and I did not. And so, you know, even if something one of you did was scrutinized, the, 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 attention was sort of dispersed among you and your siblings and you know for me that was it everybody was watching what i was doing cuz i was the only one to pay attention to <laughs> And so, um, you know, there were times that, that church members would get into our business and, you know, dad had to put the kibosh on that. Like, Hey, you don't get to touch my kid kind of thing. And that, that colored a lot of my growing up experience too, just knowing because I mean, being a pastor's kid, you get all these jokes about like, Oh, how are you even still saved? If you're a pastor's kid, a yuck, yuck, yuck. But that's, I mean, that's legitimate. Like I, um, I grew up in Louisiana and um, and was friends with a lot of pastor's kids. And we had PK retreat and we all, you know, we're kind of in this thing together. And I think I can count on one hand how many of them are actually still in the church. And that's just how it is. And I can definitely count on more than two hands how many of them are bitter today. And it's most of them. It's a, being a pastor's kid is a messy and, and um, yeah, messy experience. You get a view into the backside of things where things are a lot messier than they should be. And, um, and, and you get, not in my case, I will just put that out there. This is not in my case, but specifically I had a friend who um, his dad would get up there and preach about the Holy spirit and talk about, you know, purity and all these things. And he was actively having an affair with another woman in the church. And then eventually he left their mom to go live somewhere else. And then this, this pastor's kid who had just watched his dad bullface lie from the pulpit was supposed to grow up and still believe in that? I don't think so. That's, that's not how that works. So obviously that was not my experience. I'm still in church. And, you know, mom and I are here talking about this. And the reason we wanted to get into this and talk about, you know, our background is because we want to solidify and we want to repeat and get it out there and give a disclaimer. We love the church. We love the church. Yeah, I love the church. Mom loves the church. We're both active members of our churches. And we we are purposeful about keeping church a big part of our life. So, you know, just now, even when I was talking about this, this pastor being a bull-faced liar, that doesn't mean that I hate church. And that doesn't mean, even though I've seen some of the ugliest of hypocrites, and I have seen some of the dirtiest of betrayals in
0: church, that doesn't mean I give up on church because I, it's not about that no and the church serves a purpose for christians and and i think you know i mean yes you can you can throw a lot of junk at organized religion and churches and pastors and people and hypocrites and which you know i don't go to church cuz there's hypocrites there well you know really 100% of society has something in their life they're hypocritical yeah no i mean i will 100%
1: I will give credence to the fact that as Christians, we are supposed to not be hypocrites. And we specifically say that we're not hypocrites. And that's what makes that a little bit different. I get it. But church is full of people. And unless we're all doing church the right way and working really hard to root out some of the issues that we're having, um, church is going to be full of people that don't belong there.
0: Right. Right. So- Right. And, and we're, we're just normal people who believe in the forgiveness of Jesus Christ for our sins. And it is eternal. And even Paul, Paul, the one who wrote much of the new Testament said, I don't do the things I want to do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. I mean, even he struggled with that. And so we all struggle, but the bottom line is again, it's not perfect, but it is the body of Christ The Bible says the church is the body of Christ, and it is it is important it is important to us and for us to not forget even though it's not perfect it's a good place to be and it's a good place to come home to
1: yeah and this is um I, I don't even know what the actual distinction is here in in how we were both raised because you have siblings that fell away from the church Mm -hmm. and you know i have friends and um and even called i don't want to say colleagues but um kids that i grew up with that our dads were in ministry at the same time our moms are in ministry at the same time and we have gone such vastly different directions. and i think that all in all you know it's a it's a dash of God's favor, but it's also just a general like understanding that church is important. And you can't just not go to church and you can't just decide that, well, this person hurt me. So church in general, throw it away. It's, it's not about that because, and, and I think that in podcasts specifically, um, there's a couple that I'm thinking of right now that they tend to be like, well, I love Jesus. I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. And I'm going to sit here on my podcast and I'm going to cuss because that's what cool Christians do is we cuss. If you're you're familiar with who I'm talking about, that's a little, it's the Bad Christian Podcast. I know. <laughs> I, um, and I, listen, I listened to the Bad Christian Podcast for a long time, cussing and all, because they talked about religious and theological issues. And they um, come from Emory, which I've already mentioned is a band that I really loved. And I really loved their music. I do not agree with their philosophy, though, in that they spend a lot of time trying to tear down traditionalism and tear down Um, you know, the structures of the church and kind of look into um, the nitty gritty and kind of like an expose. And I just don't, I don't think that's the right way to go about it. I, I think that we love the church warts and all. And we, because we love Christ and the church is Christ's body. So,
0: and, and it also is, I mean, I think we tend to hate the church because we hate the leaders or, you know, we disagree. I don't know. Bottom line is, of course, everybody, even even bad Christians, I mean, they've got to make their own way, and they've sure. and they've got to. It's their own journey. The Bible says. The Bible says the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Other than that, God has to deal with that. Yeah. But your father was always very good in our family. We love the church, and we love the church because the church is made up of a group of people. Who are hurting. Yeah. And that's and that's the difference. You know, when I was growing up, you weren't allowed to hurt in the church. I mean, I remember, God loved them. I adore my parents. They were wonderful parents. But I remember a woman getting divorced, so we weren't allowed to go over their house because they were getting a divorce. Now yeah.
1: Instead of focusing on, hey, maybe we should be coming alongside and helping right. through this terrible time, and maybe we should have been supporting their marriage all along so that they wouldn't get to this place, and maybe if we had been more vulnerable, which small plug here, one of the only books that I have read over this entire quarantine is called In the Together" by Taylor Johnson. I went to college with him, and he has his own podcast. Check it out, Taylor Johnson Podcast, but In the Together." um, about vulnerability and the church. And it is one of the best reads that I have read in recent memory. It is fantastic. Um, I'm sure I'll talk about it more later, but just as a quick plug, go read that book. It's on Amazon. It's fantastic. It's so good. It's so, so, so good. Anyway, go ahead.
0: We'll put a link in the bio. Yeah. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes. So now and just so you know that's not the way my parents felt later on in life but that's sure. that's what the church was in the 70s and the 80s and you know we have learned because we i mean we've had a backstage pass to the church yeah we saw the good the bad the front the back and and we love the church because it is there to minister to hurting people and listen in ministry there are times that all of
1: us you me dad and my husband have been personally hurt and victimized by members of the church to a point where we could say, okay, that's it. I'm going to wring my hands of this. I'm going to wash my hands of this. And I do not want to be a part of this anymore. I'm done. I, I do not want to partake in something that would allow for this kind of pain to come into my life. And we didn't, and we didn't choose that because listen,
0: Christ didn't choose to wash his hands of us. Right. And we victimized him. Oh, we victimize him every day. In and the most intense sense. Yeah. And let's remember who is at the root of wanting to discredit the church. Yeah. If he can if Satan can discredit the church, then he's he's won. He's one. Yeah. So, we love the church. Yeah, all of
1: that is to just kind of talk about why we love the church and why we are here talking about Christianity. I wanted us to give kind of a sense of who we are and where we came from. And, you know, you talk a little bit about being a pastor's wife and I'll talk about a little bit about being a pastor's kid, but we'll both talk about growing up in church and we'll talk about church from a, from the perspective of people
0: who know it very, very well. And so, um, so yeah. There will be times we say negative things maybe about the church. I don't think we'll do that too much, but you know, I mean, we'll, we'll make jokes about the church. We'll make jokes sure. about, about people, but that doesn't mean we don't love the church. We love the church. And it's, that's, what's really sad about COVID right now is, you know, people are like, why is it such a, you can do online church and blah, 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 blah. But the bottom line is we need each other. We need to lift up each other. We need to help each other. Sorry. Say that again. I'm just trying to figure out what song you just said. It's a, like a Newsboys song. Okay. <laughs> Don't know it. Anyway, um, sorry. I can break into friends or friends forever if you'd like. I Heard it enough. <laughs> so, um, and that's a segue into our next uh, podcast, which is... Christian Culture is Lame. <laughs> It's, so it yeah.
1: I wanted us to give this disclaimer because I don't want us to jump into just absolute, absolutely bashing Christian movies and music and all of that without giving some context of we, we are on team church. You know, we are on team Jesus. We're on team, team, um, Christianity we're on team church too though that sometimes those are different teams team team Christianity and team church and we are team church and so um next episode we're going to be talking about Christian movies we're going to be talking about facing the giants and we'll probably uh, talk about Petra again I don't know about Christian movies and Christian music and I am going to slam the heck out of Chris Tomlin be ready for that because I do not appreciate uh, what he has done uh, the Christian music uh, Chris Tomlin yeah, you are re- really. Yeah, I mean, you mean Chris boring, I steal music from everyone else and make it more boring and then publish it on passion CDs, Tomlin? Shame on you.
0: Uh,
1: shame on Chris Tomlin. Anyway, that's um, that's what we're going to be talking about next time. Make sure that you are um, subscribing to the podcast if you are enjoying it. Rate, every rating helps. Give a rating, um, share it with anyone who, who you think might enjoy it. I think they should subscribe even if they don't like it. Well, right. But we don't want to take up your phone data and then make you mad because you've been taking up all your phone data with our podcast. Actually, I don't care.
0: Just as long as you don't leave a bad review.
1: Yeah. If you got something bad to say about us, just let us know. I don't, you can hurt our feelings. That's fine. You can send us mean things. Don't hurt our ratings. That's what really matters. So (laughs) absolutely. So um, yeah, subscribe, rate, um, share. We are available on Facebook and Instagram at Yes Mom I'm Listening. We are on Twitter at Yes Mom Pod. If you have a question or a topic or a suggestion, um, you can email us at Yes Mom I'm Listening at gmail.com. And um, we will catch up with you guys next time. And please understand, too, that we are brand new to this. So if there is any audio issues or, um, we'll, we'll get better at this as we go. So don't give up on us. Yeah. Don't give up on us. Yeah. Um, we love you guys and we will catch you next time. Bye.